It's a very uh, special morning for me um, today. Uh, number one, the sun is shining. Um, but secondly, uh, it's been a very long time since I've been up here. Um, and frankly speaking, I didn't think I would ever be up here again. Um, almost 10 years ago, I started a ministry here, preaching ministry called Heart Coach for Life on Thursday evenings at 7 o'clock where um, I would preach God's Word and then we'd have a short question and answer session. And it was for people that either couldn't make a Sunday service or for others who felt a little squeamish about maybe coming on a Sunday service and it was a little bit safer for them to come on a Thursday evening. And I'm happy to say that it's beginning again starting this Thursday night. So praise God. Um, it is always a joy and a privilege for me to have the opportunity to share God's truth with you. And the title of the message today is called The Opportunity of a Lifetime. Now, I've always struggled with God in terms of which path was going to be the best one for me. And truthfully, um, I always knew all along that I was rejecting God's perfect design for my life. And then, about a year ago, God showed me that his plan was going to prevail. It was August of 2018. My sister-in-law had lost a long battle with cancer, and her funeral deeply affected me. So much so that I remember thinking, I have got to recommit my calling that God has for me in my life. And I remember a few years ago, I met a very famous preacher, and we were talking about God's calling in our lives. And I remember him saying to me, you know, Don, I don't know what your calling is for God in your life. That's between you and God. But I'll tell you this, if you're called, you better do it. And so I made the decision that what I was going to do is go back to my old messages and repackage them into 10-minute segments and then upload them to an app called SoundCloud. How many of you here are familiar with SoundCloud? Yeah. So you can go to SoundCloud, and in the search window, you can type in Heart Coach for Life, and you can listen to the messages in 10-minute segments. So I was sitting at my desk... My computer was up, I had GarageBand loaded, the mic was ready, and I literally was ready to hit the record button when all of a sudden there was a sharp pain in my right side. And within five minutes, I was down on the floor in utter agony. And so I was rushed to the hospital, and you could have heard me all over the emergency room. So they decided to sedate me, run some tests, and ultimately admit me. And the next morning, the surgeon came into my room and he said, you had a severe kidney stone attack. But the irony is this, Don, your left side is in worse shape. There's a whole rock wall of stones in your left kidney, so much so that it's barely functioning. So what we're going to have to do is have a series of surgeries to correct the problem. So over the next three months, I had four surgeries. And an interesting thing happened during the surgeries. They couldn't get my blood pressure down. They couldn't get it below 200 over 100. And so when the surgeries ended at about this time last year, 
I went to see my cardiologist, and we decided to run some tests. And on November 1st of last year, I had a nuclear stress test, which I normally do very, very well in, and I bombed it. He shut the whole thing down after 10 minutes, and he sent me down the hall to the cath lab, and I was in the cath lab for a couple of hours, and I remember looking over at the end of the procedure, and I've known my cardiologist for about 15 years, and he said, Don, everything is going to be just fine. I remember looking at him thinking, I don't believe you. <laughs> and so before I knew it, I was full siren, ambulance, all the way up to Boston, and the next morning I was on the table where they had performed triple bypass open heart surgery. I never saw it coming. The surgeons would later explain to me that the arteries surrounding my heart were over 90% blocked, and my heart was literally encased in disease. And they said, Don, you were a walking time bomb. And thank goodness for the surgeries where they revealed the high blood pressure. And, and so it was, it was something that I realized that it was the kidney stone surgeries that saved my life. And I think I'll be the only person that will be able to tell you I'm grateful for kidney stones. I spent the next week in the hospital and it was a very difficult time for me. Uh, there's a picture of me right there. That's the day after my open heart surgery. And you can see they give you a little heart-shaped pillow. And you pray that you never have to sneeze. And as I'm walking around, I'm walking around very feebly like this. And for me personally, it was very difficult to get my lungs going again. They were all over me about that. They said, Don, you really have to work at this. You have to give it some effort. And I'm a guy that puts 110% effort in everything I do, so it was very frustrating for me. Another thing that's interesting about open-heart surgery is when you're on the table, you're, you're clinically dead. The only thing that's keeping you alive is that heart-lung machine. And then when the operation is complete, then they switch you back over. But What's interesting is it can take the brain up to a year to recalibrate back to your original rhythm. So as a result, you have a lot of mood swings. So that was another difficult challenge for me. I remember the ride home in the car, and I was absolutely terrified. I thought I was literally in the wilderness. I come home, I go up to my room, and remember, it's mid-November. It's dark, it's dreary outside like it was this past week. The leaves are off the trees. My dog, um, who had died during the course of the four surgeries, was no longer there to give me any kind of companionship or comfort. And I was lonely, terrified, powerless. I felt completely helpless. And I remember thinking to myself, I could literally lose everything and there's nothing I can do about it. And you know what? God had me right where he wanted me. A few days later, I distinctly remember him whispering into my ear and here's what he said. Don, I want you to commit to a restart and allow me to purify your heart. 
Now let's face it, none of us like to be told what to do. We learn that very early in life. It's embedded in all of us. Um, as parents, we understand that we have to discipline the no out of our children. And it's even an adult challenge as well. We go around and, you know, being independent is the American way of life. And so what we do is we walk around and we say, I want to do what I want to do whenever I want to do it and have enough money to do it. And here's another tricky thing we say to ourselves. If I get to call all the plays in the game of life, I'll call all the right plays. But here's something to consider. Listen carefully. Our need for supervision would someday come to an end if we could silence the toxic voices that come from within. Let me say that again. Our need for supervision would someday come to an end if we could silence the toxic voices that come from within. You know, we don't get into trouble because we can't take advice. We create problems because we embrace and hang on to our own perceptions. And that's because our judgment is filtered to our emotions, which distort reality. That's why people come to you and they say, you did what? You said that? And then later on, you look back in a situation and you wonder, what was I thinking? How could that have happened? What was really going on? Well, fortunately, the Bible has a solution for this enormous challenge within us all, and it's this. God will conquer our emotions which compete for control. Now, today we're, we're looking at Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, where it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Well, how could that be possible when in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all else and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Think about it. We're able to monitor our behavior in spite of our hearts. We do that to get job interviews, first dates, second dates, to get married, and to stay married. Now, we've been studying the Beatitudes over the past few weeks and they're a template, really, as to how we should conduct our lives. But we might question, how can we acquire all of the Beatitudes simultaneously? And it might overwhelm us. We might think, okay, I know what God is doing here uh, is true when he's, when he's communicating this precious message to us, but I don't think I can really do all this work. It's too much. But here's the thing. We don't have to earn our way to obtaining the Beatitudes. They're a complete package. You cannot separate them. It's not like you use one Beatitude in one season of your life and use another one at another time. And each one really demands from the other. And if you go back and you really study the Beatitudes this week, you'll see that they're very interdependent. For example... Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. 
And as a result of being filled, we become merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers. And peacemakers are meek. Because if they weren't meek, they're unlikely to be peacemakers. Now here's the good news. Our faith doesn't rest solely on our ethics or our external behavior. It's more a matter of how we monitor what's going on inside of us. And here's the question we can ask ourselves. What's going on inside of my heart? You know, we have toxic voices within all of us that want to take control. And if we're not careful, regrets can happen if we don't give in to these dangerous inner conversations. God loves everyone, and he doesn't want us to hurt anyone. So what comes out of our mouths is what places us at odds with God. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 18, it says, the words that come out of a person's mouth originate from the heart. So the, core, the, the source of all of our offenses comes from our hearts. Now people will come to me and they'll say, Don, I say things that I don't And I say the truth is, you said something you didn't mean to say out loud. And in that moment, your heart has shown its true colors. And remember, friends, it came out of you because it was within you. In verse 19, it says, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. And then in Mark chapter 7, verse 22, it adds to the plot greed, malice, deceit, envy, arrogance, and folly. And folly just simply means bad judgment. And that's why we consistently judge ourselves. And we say, why did I do that? What was I thinking? How could it have happened? These embarrassing, despicable, relationship-killing, career-ending, financially debilitating behaviors. Jesus says their source is in your heart. These are the things that place you at odds with God because it hurts the people that God loves. Remember, friends, we can't work at the Beatitudes to gain favor with God. So how you treat others makes all the difference. I personally love Matthew Chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. I like to call it the Beatitudes Simplified. And here's what it says. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. So let me ask you a question. Imagine what your life would be like if you were able to audit these destructive thoughts and emotions within you. Well, Jesus invites us to elevate our lives to a whole new level. And the key 
is to look at our hearts rather than our behavior. So I have a suggestion for us that we can try for the next seven days. And it's asking yourself this, not only on a daily basis, but throughout the day, and it's this. Is everything okay in my heart? Is everything okay in my heart? And Jesus will provide for you the greatest gift in this battle. And he says, come to me all who are all weary and burdened and need rest. Because there's a raging fear, anger, envy, and lust within you. You know, as Christians, we cannot proclaim against the darkness until we see it within ourselves. Let me say that again. As Christians, we cannot proclaim against the darkness until we see it within ourselves. Now, the world, the world says peace happens when everything is great on the outside. But Jesus says, I have something better for you. I'll provide peace when things aren't great on the outside. You might ask, well, how do I get this? And Jesus says, come, follow me. Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. He says, take my yoke, which means my way of life upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble at heart and here's the promise friends you will find rest for your soul wouldn't you agree that this is at least worth a try and if you follow him Jesus promises that your need for supervision would finally come to an end because he will silence the toxic voices from within. Jesus promises that your need for supervision would finally come to an end because he will be the one that silenced the toxic voices from within. You know, a year ago, my life was saved not only through physical heart surgery. More importantly, God performed a spiritual heart procedure on me. And it transformed my life. And it gave me a peace that transcends all understanding. And a true clarity for my life purpose. He wants the same for you as well. So commit to a restart and allow God to purify your heart. To commit to a restart. At this time in our service, we just take a moment just to deeply reflect, to have those words pour out and into us. So I welcome you as the music starts to play softly.
just to settle yourself in, to take a deep breath, to have the words that were poured out by Don pour in to the cracks in the valleys where Christ is saying, I need to fill that area of your life. Where Christ is saying, I have taken the cross upon me so that you can have the gift of salvation to follow me, to take my yoke, to follow where I lead you. So I welcome you just to sit for a moment in stillness, just to breathe, to take a deep breath in and to exhale, to exhale out the fear and the worry, to exhale out our humanness. and to inhale Christ's grace, to inhale his love and his peace that he wants in our life. For him to say, I am yours and you are mine. can feel the Holy Spirit just moving around the room right now, just touching people at this very moment. I can feel it. I can see it. Let him fill those, those voids where he's calling to you. And as we close with our final song in our hymn, I welcome you to come forward to the altar, to pray, to be prayed over, to receive what it is that Christ is saying, I need you. I am knocking at your door to let him in. The altar is open to be prayed with over a situation or a season. Will you please rise in body and spirit as we sing our closing hymn for today. And for all those who would like to come forward, please do so. The altar is open. Please rise. <laughs>